friends, and welcome to another episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. I'm excited to talk to you today about a topic that might not at first seem like one you want to listen to, and that is how to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Importantly, I'm going to give you five tips to get you out of the pity party. The reason I say it might not be too popular at first is that often when we are in a pity party, when we are feeling sorry for ourselves, we don't want to think that we are. We don't want to think of ourselves as the kind of person who feels sorry for themselves, right? So we kind of make excuses, we find a bunch of reasons why, and this is really what's going on. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. It's this reality that has happened. Well, it's true. Whatever it is you're going through is a reality. And I'm sure it is incredibly difficult. And it's probably unfair. Often, when we get ourselves into this pity mode, it's because something has come out of left field. Those things that whack us upside the head, I like to call it life's proverbial two by four. Sometimes it's the hits just keep coming. That has definitely been my experience. I had so many things coming up against me for such a long period of time that I found myself right smack in the middle of a pity party. Now, thankfully, it was a pity party for one most of the time because I'm a victim in disguise. And there's probably somewhere a podcast here where I've talked about the two types of victims, but I was the kind that didn't want to be thought of as a victim or for other people to feel sorry for me. So I was really a victim in disguise, that meaning that I was hiding it, living inside of my own agony as a victim. And so what's important is that you first recognize that you're doing this, recognize that you are living in pity, that you're feeling sorry for yourself. It's happened to the best of us. So don't feel ashamed. I mean, there's enough shame going around. Don't feel ashamed. Don't be mad at yourself. Just make that decision that it's time to get out of it. It's time to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Now, some of you might be feeling sorry for yourself and they're not big things. It's not one of those two by fours. It's not these massive hits that keep coming. It's something smaller. Whatever it is, here you are. And so these same tips can help you stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get yourself out of that pity party, or as I like to call it, victim land. Here's the deal, my friends. There's no power in victim land. And I am sure that you want to be a powerful woman or a powerful man. And I mean powerful in the sense of feeling empowered, having that internal fortitude and courage and strength. You can't do that when you're down on the mat with your beast on top of you. You're feeling sorry for yourself, stuck in that pity party. That is such a place of weakness. There's no power in living in self-pity. Now, as I said, often these things that happen, they, you know, they occur through no fault of your own, no decisions of your own, and you have no control. And it's just this thing happens and it breaks your heart. For me, it was my daughter's addiction and... If you had known Jamie, I mean, she was an incredible person. Certainly, she had her shortcomings like every single one of us do, and she was headstrong and feisty and 
She wasn't the easiest person to parent, but um, she was really an amazing person with so many gifts and qualities and talents and abilities. And I used to think, dang, this girl's left-brained and right-brained. And, and she was, meaning she was very artistic and could sing. And she had that kind of whimsical way about her. But at the same time, she was about as quick as a whip. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm quick-witted. This girl was quick. And so for her to wind up in addiction, you know, this athletic, popular person, it just didn't make any sense. She went to youth group. All of the things that you would think would be, you know, the the ways that you keep somebody from heading in that direction. And unfortunately, at the age of 15, she started going haywire. And by the time she was 16, she quit school. I became certified as a homeschool teacher because I did not know what to do. I could not get her to go to school. So I become certified and the first thing you do is you test the person out to see where they land, you know, so you can figure out the kind of lessons to develop. Jamie tested at college level in every single subject except for math and she was at the high end of high school. So, you know, when I presented her with those test results, she went, okay, I guess I'm done with high school. So then it was time for her to go get a job and get out into the world and, and we sent her to Jean Juarez Academy because she was really artistic, like I said, and and really into hair and makeup. And we sent her to this high-end academy that she could learn to get into the cosmetology world. Well, she quit that after a couple weeks. Anyway, I don't want to get into all of that, but the point is that this was so frustrating and it was devastating. It was shocking. And I couldn't figure out how to get her on the right track. And before long, we figure out that she's with this guy and she's made her way essentially from our safe suburban life into a world that she really knew nothing about and had no business being in. And when she was 18, her ex-boyfriend shot her. And it was a near-fatal gunshot wound. And it was, I mean, it was bad. And thankfully, I mean, really miraculously, she was saved in surgery. They spent hours cauterizing vessels and veins. And it was an abdominal gunshot wound. It entered through her backside, but it was considered an abdominal gunshot wound, which is so much bleeding and you know, you're very vascular in your abdomen area. And so anyway, it was really unbelievable. I I can't even describe to you how, I mean, I just, I had out-of-body experiences, literally. When people would call and I would say, Jamie was shot, I would hear myself saying it. And certainly that was my voice. But it was almost like I rose above myself and looked at the situation because it was too unbelievable. I couldn't believe I was the one saying that. I had a daughter who was shot? I spent my entire parenthood trying to keep my kids safe and help them make good choices and live with integrity and be involved in sports and and church and youth group and all these things that I thought could really help. And, you know, when you feel like such a failure and, and you can't do anything about it, and this is the point I wanted to get to. Some of you are probably in this situation where you feel like, dang, I can't seem to do anything about it. And it makes you feel like a failure. And then you start to think, it's, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. I did everything right. Okay, not everything. I'm far from perfect. was far from perfect parent. But I did the best I could. I did a good job. I was a good mom. I mean, how could this possibly be happening? And as it went on for years and years and years, and eventually I would come to find out what I had suspected, that Jamie was addicted to drugs, and eventually she was addicted to heroin. And I have to say that when the first time I spoke the word heroin out loud in a sentence with my daughter's name in it, 
I almost fell off my chair. I mean, it was just so bizarre for me to speak heroin in the same sentence as the girl that I used to say would be the first woman president. That's how gifted I thought she was. So there I was, not able to fix this thing, and it broke my heart into a million pieces. My firstborn child, the first person that I really knew about love. The first time I ever felt really this unconditional love, a love I had never felt before, was the day Jamie was born, because she was my firstborn. And, you know, for that to be beyond disappointing, I mean, disappointed doesn't even seem like a proper word for it. And it, so it really, it really knocked the wind out of my sails. It knocked all of my hope out of me and my belief in my future and the thought that I had a purpose. I mean, I was wandering around just surviving. And because I was that victim in disguise, I didn't want people to feel sorry for me or to know how bad it was. I really hid a lot of this from people. So what was happening is that I was seemed okay on the outside, but I was dying on the inside. I mean, I was. And so the longer this went on, the more I started to feel sorry for myself. And then on top of that, my husband and I decided to be entrepreneurs. And, and I married uh, Rich, by the way, when Jamie was 12. And they didn't get along and there was that whole thing going on. But um, I mean, we, he helped really helped to, to create a nice lifestyle for us. And it was, it was good times for a very short period of time. And then, you know, this entrepreneurial life that we had both chosen, things got really challenging. You know, business is hard. Any of you out there that look at another person who has a successful business and think, man, they're lucky. I don't think that's the truth. I mean, unless they were just handed a business and it was, you know, kind of on autopilot, it is a hundred times more difficult than you think, and it's a somewhat a crapshoot. And so there we were in this entrepreneurial world, and then you know the the um, housing market crashed. We lived in the Seattle area, and the housing market was hit. And you know we had mortgages on our house that were in excess of what it was worth, and it was just really a challenging time. And so I'm thinking, this doesn't seem right. This isn't fair. I'm one of the hardest working people I know, high integrity, same with Rich, and we're doing all the stuff that seems right, and we're trying so hard, and we're trying to do this good parenting, and nothing we do seems to be working, and so this isn't fair, and so there I was, you know, every time, I'm, I'm telling you this story because I want you to get the picture that each little layer of this isn't fair that was added to my life story at that, during that period of time, just increased my feelings of self-pity and it just seemed like there was no way out and so I just sunk further and further and you know what happens is you, you really can go from self-pity into depression pretty quickly and I didn't really recognize it as depression because I had never been depressed I'd never been the kind of person that was really I mean listen everybody gets depressed at times in life I think often we get confused about that and we think we're not supposed to say we were depressed because that means we need medication or a psychologist and, and perhaps some people do, but there's a lot of situational depression out there that's very temporary and that we feel and we go through it and we come out of it. And so, but I had never had it for more than an hour, I like to say, possibly maybe I had it for a day here and there throughout my life, but I had never really been the kind of person that felt depression for long periods of time. So I didn't even know what the heck it was. I mean, I guess if I'd have really analyzed it, I would have, but I didn't want to think of myself that way. So once again, I stuffed it all in and it was just getting really, really bad for me. And 
So I think that, not I think, I know that the turning point for me was this very low point. So if you're sitting out there today and you're thinking, you know, I don't know how I can feel any lower, you know, there's some good news. Sometimes our lowest points can be the best points of our life because they're the points that kind of propel us to, to change, to do something. So my lowest point was blurting out to my husband one day, standing in my kitchen a few years ago. I said, I don't want to be here anymore. It's too hard. And, you know, to this day, I feel badly that he had to hear that because I'm sure that must have been awful for Rich to hear those words come out of the person he loved most in this world. The person, he was already feeling guilty about, you know, why business wasn't better and, and all of those things and our lifestyle had changed. And, you know, those were hard things on him. And then, then to have me add that to him, but I had to do it. I don't, I'm not sorry that I did it because I needed to do that. Because those words spoken from my mouth, entering my ears and into my brain and my spirit scared the heck out of me. And it scared me into action. And it really propelled me to start making a change. It really was the turning point and the catalyst for me standing up, battling my beast and learning how to be a woman of courage and developing the nine actions that are so powerful, that are helping so many people. By the way, go to ValerieSilvera.com and you'll see, if you go to the About section, you'll see there's a page about the nine actions if you want to learn more about them. Actually, there's a lot of great resources at ValerieSilvera.com, including a blog and with video and, and um, articles and, and all sorts of really great stuff. So be sure to go to ValerieSilvera.com and check us out there. But in the meantime, I want to get back to talking about these five tips. So it, let me tell you, it, it's been a long process for me to put all the pieces of my shattered heart back together and learn to stand in the face of really difficult times. And what's important for you to understand is that I stood up in my darkest days. I didn't stand up when life was, you know, going along and it was all roses. It was exactly the opposite. I didn't wait for that any longer. I'd already waited for 13 years. I lived on the roller coaster from hell for 13 years feeling sorry for myself. So I finally did what I needed to do and I used the nine actions. That's why I bring those up because, you know, this is a, a short podcast that's going to give you some tips, but you really need to get in there and, and really work on a lot of different aspects of your life if you want to get out of this pity mode because it becomes a habit. It becomes a place that you live. So you have to figure out how to leave that town, leave that land I call victim land. So let's get into these tips that will help you to get out of the pity party, that funk you're in. So first of all, here's the first tip, and it's just really something to remember. Everybody has a story. Often when we're sitting there feeling sorry for ourselves, it appears that nobody else is going through anything, not even close to what you're going through, or certainly not the number of things you're going through. Well, on the outside looking in, everybody's life looks different than it really is. And so what you're seeing is probably not reality and you couldn't possibly know every experience somebody has had, childhood, work experiences, relationships, how they're wired. You couldn't possibly understand it all. And so, you know, you get this false notion that everybody is just doing great and you're struggling. The bottom line is everybody has a story and it's going to be helpful for you to remember that perspective. Number two is that there's no power in victim land. And I really talked about that at the beginning of this podcast, that um, it's really a place of weakness. And so, you know, that keeping that perspective and that reminder is going to help you. Everybody has a story. 
and there's no power in victim land. The third tip is to look for blessings, to live in a state of gratitude. Now, I've got to tell you that this was difficult for me because in the beginning, I literally would say, I don't have anything to be thankful for. You know, that my life's just, you know, a, you know what storm. And then I finally, you know, had to pull it out of my, you know what, too. I'm saying a lot of you know what's here, aren't I? I had to, you know, get my act together and start really, I mean, at first it was difficult. I started to write down my blessings and I was like, okay, I'm breathing. Well, hey, that is a blessing. Um, and then I, well, you know, I have rich, but, you know, there's all these struggle. You know, I, was, I would do that in the beginning. So I've really had to learn to become gratitude-minded. And I have this box. I started out with a small jar and then I went to a bigger jar and then that got filled up and now I have this box I ha it's it's this god box it's this really cool box with a lid that I've had for years and I decided to turn it into my gratitude box and so if you get into that habit make sure what you do before you drop something in is speak it out loud because remember how when I had my lowest point and I spoke out loud that I didn't want to be here anymore one of the reasons that it was so powerful well not one of the reason it was so powerful is because I spoke it out loud. I had already thought it a hundred times, maybe more. It was that speaking it out loud. There's power in the spoken word. So make sure that when you, that you, you know, use some kind of gratitude vessel and speak it out loud. And by the way, do this all throughout the day. You don't have to even be near this vessel. You could be doing it when you're driving. Thank, thank you, God, that I got here safe to my destination. You know, there's all sorts of things that you can be grateful for throughout the day. Start looking for them. This is super powerful and will help you to stop feeling sorry for yourself when you realize how many blessings you do have. And I also think that it gets God's attention when we live in gratitude. And I think that it, it moves him into action when he can see that we're standing, we're attempting, we're trying during our really difficult times. You know, we're passing a test. The fourth thing is to get outside of your story because when you start living in a pity party, in that self-pity mode, we become very myopic. We focus so much on our own problems and then they begin to magnify because everything that you stare at long enough becomes magnified. You focus on anything for any length of time. A problem becomes huge. A minor detail becomes a big one. A molehill becomes a mountain. So get outside of your story. Go do something to help somebody else. Use your story if you can, but it doesn't have to have anything to do with what you're going through. But get outside of your story. Become bigger than these challenges that you have. And the final tip is to have faith. Have faith that things will change. But I really think there is kind of a caveat that things change when you change. That is really important to keep... Um, in the back of your mind or in the forefront of your mind that you can have faith in God and you should whatever I don't know what your spiritual beliefs are but you know I have faith that God's walking with me I'm really working to have faith that he's opening doors and that there's some wonderful things up ahead in my future I just can't see them right now and a lot of my challenges are, are on the path to that so that's obviously an aspect of faith but I really think it's like I said a moment ago we have to do our part we can't just expect God to pick us up by the back of the collar and, and make everything happen without us doing our part. So have faith that things will change. Nothing stays the same forever, but you need to change. It's so important, my friends, that you stop living in pity, that you get out of victim land, because as I said before, there's no power there, and it's going to keep you from becoming your best. 
And why do you need to become your best? Well, because first of all, you do. God placed you on this earth with all sorts of gifts and talents. Yes, maybe they're not the same as somebody else, but you have them. And experiences and your wiring and your ancestry, you take all of this together and there's only one person exactly like you. And the world needs your piece of the puzzle. It needs what you have to offer this unique person, the one and only you. So if you stay stuck, you won't do everything that you need to do to become all that you need to be. You just won't because you're stuck. It's time to get unstuck. Use those five tips to help you get out of victim land, to leave that pity party, to stop feeling sorry for yourself and start becoming empowered. Go to ValerieSilvera.com and get some of my resources that will help you further with this. You don't have any more time to waste because time is flying by. Today's the day for you to stand up and fight. You're not alone. I'm standing with you. And remember, your story matters. Live it courageously.